It is Monday, the 26th of April, 2021. The Academy Awards were last night, and who cares? <laughs> and you're listening to the Handsome Genius Club radio show. Hey kids, welcome to the show. My name is Kingdom, Anthony Kingdom James. Uh, yeah, the Academy Awards were last night. I think Nomad Land won for Best Picture. Uh, I don't know. Anthony Hopkins won for Best Actor, which made me a little sad because I thought Chadwick Boseman would uh, get a an overwhelming sentimentality vote since he passed away, and he fucking deserves it but alas and alack um you know what i tried to tune in uh couldn't find a stream for it online because i you know i don't i don't have cable television oh the cat is awake uh i don't have cable television anymore but i couldn't find a stream and then i realized meh it's just going to be background noise. Uh, I, I spent part of the evening washing dishes and watching old episodes of uh, Iron Chef on my iPad as I did it. And then while I was cooking, I watched, uh, I think it was from 1993 or 1994, I watched Cabbage Battle. And then I started watching, uh, um, I watched most of Duck Battle. <laughs> I would rather watch 25, 26, 27-year-old episodes of a Japanese cooking competition than the brand new award show featuring a bunch of movies that I, I haven't seen. I saw Soul was nominated. Soul won for Best Animated Feature. Uh, I saw Soul. Uh, I haven't seen Ma Rainey yet. I haven't seen Nomadland yet. Um, I haven't seen Minari. Maybe I'll get around to seeing some of them, but uh, I haven't yet. So, I mean, the awards meant... The only awards that meant anything to me were I wanted to see Chadwick Boseman win. I would have been happy if Viola Davis won. Did she? I don't know if she did. And, uh, no, I think Francis McDormand won. And, um, and I wanted Soul to win because Soul was a great movie. I love Pixar. And this is, this is a return to form for Pixar for me because I, I, you know, I, I fell off the wagon with Pixar for a few years. But this was, Soul was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, so the Oscars, the 93rd Oscars. Um, what else happened last night is uh, Josh Alexander won the Impact Wrestling X Division title. And, goddamn, couldn't be a more deserving guy. Um, just hardworking and so, so talented. Former Wrestlers Union champion, of course. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be able to say that. 
But um, just fantastic. And Kenny Omega wins the Impact Championship. So now he is the World Heavyweight Champion of uh, of three promotions, three of the three of probably the uh, the the five or six biggest promotions on earth: uh, AEW, AAA in Mexico, and Impact. Um, I mean, what other promotions would you call that big? WWE would be number one, of course. Then New Japan, AEW. Ring of Honor, Impact, AAA. What other promotions can you think of that are realistically, don't get sentimental about it, realistically, from a money standpoint, from an audience standpoint, from a reach standpoint, from a talent standpoint? Uh, you know... What what other companies are as big as as the ones that I just listed? Mm-hmm. Lucha Underground is gone, and they were a television only product. Um, and I mean, even through the pandemic, uh, we're not getting house shows, but you know they will return. I don't know if they'll return in as plentiful a form as as we've you know as we're used to, but yeah, those are those are the biggest companies are. Maybe you get you get all Japan in there. Anybody else? Hmm? That's about it. CMLL? I don't know. Um, so congratulations to the Canadians, Kenny Omega and Josh Alexander on winning championships last night. Um, not going to drag this out because uh, today's episode is a swap cast that I recorded on uh, Saturday afternoon with our good friend Chris Maverick the uh, host of the Vox Popcast. It was a roundtable discussion with uh, members of his crew talking about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, You know, the finale was Friday. And uh, so we got together Saturday afternoon, discussed issues both great and small, uh, minutia of continuity and and what we thought of the episode and uh, how it tackled greater social issues as well. So uh, an all-encompassing conversation, um, which I do not dominate. I <laughs> I took a slightly uh, smaller than you'd expect role in this conversation because I was very pleased with uh, what was being said, and I knew that we were going to swap cast it, and uh, it, it it didn't have to be uh, me overpowering things, especially with stuff you've heard me say about uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier on previous episodes, when there were uh, other voices that could be heard. And, and of course, you know, I want you to, uh, if you get the opportunity... Listen to Vox Popcast. Chris Maverick puts on a great show. Uh, 
So, uh, yeah, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to hit the record scratch and then uh, and then Chris is going to take over. So, hey, enjoy this uh, swap cast episode of Vox Popcast and Handsome Genius Club Radio Show. The weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav. And I am once again here with my co-hosts, Katya and Wayne. How's it going, guys? Mav. <laughs> uh, dragging, a, dragging a little bit. I, I got my second vaccine shot this week. Uh, I, I was Yay! Yeah, I was good for like the first day and a half, and then like hour 33, I got, I, I came home, I took a short nap, I crawled out from under the covers, I stood up, and immediately started shivering. <laughs> and then kind of fought body fevers and whatever for the next several hours. So today I'm dragging, but uh, yeah. the fever part seems to be gone. I know that's normal. That's just that's just when the uh, our overlords tap into your your the the chip in the vaccine to to monitor your movement. That's ah. really normal. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's where that's where everything got uploaded. Yeah, Wonderful. no, that's okay. totally normal. That's just that they're they're fixing the interface soon. But uh, wonder if okay. we'll pick yeah. up listeners who are like, "Ooh, they believe." <laughs> oh god! Uh, well, I'm getting I get my first shot uh, next week, which I'm super excited about. Oh, okay, okay. So you're so you're yeah. Um, do not skip the Vitaray treatment. That will Vitarays are important. That's why I'm okay gotcha. and Wayne's not. Vitarays are very important. Got it. Vitarays are what Vitarays are what make you when you take um the super soldier serum. Vitarays are what yeah, make, yeah. turn you into Captain America and not into a crazy person. That is um, <laughs> that is comic book canon, and actually, sort of, kind of transition to what we're doing today. <laughs> good, good segue. Hey. Thank you. <laughs> oh, so um, we're doing Falcon and Winter Soldier today because obviously we are because it is a big cultural event in the MCU, and contractually we just have to cover those, um, you know, on this show apparently, um, and also because everybody's talking about it, and because we, you know, I like the show a lot. What do you guys think? Like you see, I liked it a lot. Yeah. It was- yeah. I mean, six six episodes in and out. Five of them I thought were really was, good quality. So you know, <laughs> yeah, it was all right. Like, is it is it my favorite TV show? TV show of all time? No. Did I enjoy it? Yeah. yeah. Well, so we, uh, we invited two returning guests today for today's show and, you know, get right to it. So welcoming back first, we've got um, we've got Marcel Walker. Hey, Marcel. Hey, guys. How are you? Doing good. Are, are, you, are you also COVID dying or COVID shot um, processing or whatever, whatever Wayne said? I got shot number two yesterday. So mm-hmm. I'm so far, I'm actually pretty good. I woke up a little, like just a little discombobulated. Not like I actually had to ask myself, am I am I feeling after effects or am am I just tired? (laughs) But no, it's all good. Yeah. All right. Welcome back. And you also enjoyed the show, I assume. I did. I did. It's particularly that last episode. You know, like that was 
Okay, well, that's because that was my least favorite. So it means we'll have an interesting conversation. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. I did enjoy the show. It's just that we'll, we'll talk about it because I yeah. also want to introduce our other guest first. Uh, welcoming back to the show. This is only your second time on the show, but Anthony Kingdom, James Rutgeiser. You have too many names. How's it going, man? Uh, it's going good. Is it second or third? Were you, you might have been, I don't know. I thought you were only on one. I think it's third. I think it's third. <laughs> You've been doing this for three. You would have been doing this for three years. You could have been on like a dozen times, and we wouldn't remember. <laughs> we, we need to keep like score somewhere. People give us stickers, you know. And when, you, when you've been on your hundredth episode, you get like a little little prize pack. I just want to join the five time five host time club, yeah. like uh, Saturday Night Live. I, oh I want the velvet smoking jacket. I I, I so want a five timers. Um, I want Do people know what we're talking about? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> there was I a, mean, there's a, yeah, there's a gimmick on Saturday Night Live. It was a joke the first time. I can't remember who the first tr- person who did it was, but like, I think it was Tom Hanks or something on his fifth hosting. And he made this joke about how in, you know, when you host the fifth time, you get to join the exclusive five timers club. And then Steve Martin, who has hosted a bajillion times, came out and gave him the smoking jacket. And they went to the secret room where they were like sipping cognac and stuff. And then, um, it's just become a thing that they actually do now. It was clearly a joke the first time, but now it's like yeah. this very prestigious thing that like people get excited and they get their five timers jacket. The first time it was Hanks with Steve Martin, Elliot Gould of all people, oh, who wow. probably hadn't hosted in uh, in at least a decade, and Paul Simon. I know John Lovitz was the waiter. Okay. <laughs> and uh, uh, Ralph Nader was in there. Anyways. But, uh, <laughs> so yeah, now, now we've taken this obscure reference and just made it even weirder. <laughs> Fantastic. Kingdom, what'd you think of Falcon Winter Soldier? Loved it. Uh, especially happy with uh, the uh, Isaiah Bradley um, appearances. I even mm-hmm. did a commentary video after episode two. I'm going to link uh, your YouTube video about okay. um, in, in the show notes. So everybody okay. should check that out. Kingdom, I think, was interesting because you had some... You did a commentary after the second episode yes. with some thoughts and predictions on how the rest of the show should go. Not necessarily where you thought it would go, yeah. but that was one of the reasons I wanted you on today. Because I, I think they, I mean, you echoed a lot of my feelings and I think they hit it pretty well. Yeah. I also uh, would say that the last episode is my least favorite of the series. Yeah. Uh, good, but not necessarily the home run that uh wanted mm-hmm. but i thought very, episode five was that home run though vi- so. yeah episode five was fantastic and one of the things uh well let, let, let's get into the whole thing before i start <laughs> citing specific scenes and minutiae yeah. well so <laughs> actually weirdly enough um i'd like to start with katya or Wayne as the, you know, the white members of the panel today. <laughs> what were your feelings on it, on the show as a whole? Overall, I liked it. I, I guess I, I watched it mostly as Captain America 4, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. just an extended version of that. Um, I, different levels than, I mean, WandaVision was its own thing, and, and I didn't bring those expectations to the show. I expected a far more linear narrative, uh, more traditional superhero, Marvel superhero movie, and I, that's what I got. Um, I was surprised at some of the overt political directions they took. I guess I shouldn't be being a Captain mm-hmm. America story, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I was pleased to see them dealing with this stuff as overtly as they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I, you know, as a, a comics fan, I was, I was happy to see them bringing in so many references from so many different eras of Captain America and, and, and trying to, to weave that into a narrative hole that works in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it, like, you know, once again, it's not my favorite thing I've ever seen on TV, but I thought it was a solid addition to the Marvel mythos that they're building. Yeah. I mean, kind of similar. Like I, 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 I enjoy it as a Marvel thing. We've talked about the show, how I think that Marvel is kind of its own, mm-hmm. as its own scale of judgment of what makes a good Marvel movie versus a, or a good Marvel TV show versus another TV show. I think I am also the token, not comic book person on mm-hmm. the show. I think today. Uh, so I think I'll probably, a lot of the references to things I, I recognize some things just from hanging around Mav and Wayne and like them talking about the series. So like, okay, I like, I knew some of the, the points that were necessarily from the MCU itself. I think for me it was just, and this is this is not just uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, but this is also just you know Marvel. Is uh, I love that basically Eastern Eastern Europe and collectivism is always the bogeyman, or is often <laughs> the bogeyman. Like automatically, uh-huh. even like yes, I know. Uh, especially, I mean, especially in, in Captain, Captain America storylines, it makes sense because America and Soviet Union kind of stuff. I mean, I don't know. I have I enjoy, like if I shut my brain off, I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I think the politics of it for me, especially not having the context, like I'd be curious to know how like how we go reacting to the politics of the show because who have more context about how the comic book story is because I feel like mm-hmm. it was very how do I like it it was very muddled to me yeah um because like yeah I don't know because it was like it was trying to do something of sort of like oh maybe the bad guys aren't actually the bad guys and the system has created them but it's still Captain America and it's still American nationalism with mm-hmm. Spanx well, on I, I, yeah and I, I saw <laughs> I, I saw a comment someplace and I, I think this is true is in any narrative like this when you have you know the the, the stuff the flag smashers were were selling you know, their their point of view and sam says this later in the series right. i i don't disagree with your your point i disagree with your methods and like you know they they do this whole thing and like this actually sounds reasonable and it's a good thing and it's something most people out there would be on board with if they really paid attention but because we're sending them as the bad guys, let's make her a mass murderer. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. And it's also like we we have to make her irredeemable by by episode two, mm-hmm. or people yeah, are going to relate too much to the bad guys. And right. especially because basically the reason that they're upset with her is because collateral damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, have they well, seen a superhero movie? Well, yeah. wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is it collateral damage if she purposely blows up? A group the government government. work. Right. Yeah. I, I agree with pretty much everything everybody said. I liked it. I I understand the politics of it in I mean, Kati said, you know, not knowing the larger Marvel universe or Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay. As far as the Marvel comic universe, they crammed about five different storylines into this. Um yeah. legit like they they always borrow from the comics. They borrowed from a lot of comics here. There was some Brubaker stuff. There was some Tanahisi Coates stuff. There was um there was some Mark Grunwald stuff. Grun has been dead for a, almost two decades at this point. Like he's yeah. <laughs> and, and, and 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 he so his stories were from a long time ago and some of that made it in here. And there was a lot, just a lot going on. Um, I thought, I thought it needed eight episodes and it was six. Um, I thought some stuff felt rushed or underserviced. I thought more so than a movie, 
I liked that I got to know people better. We would not have gotten two solid Isaiah Bradley hours out of a Captain mm-hmm. America movie. That just was not right. going to happen. Yeah. And I yeah. loved that. I thought, I thought, um, I thought the Isaiah story was the heart of this. And, you know, if anything, I wish I could have seen more of it rather than just him recollecting. You know, yeah. but you know that maybe there's a future series in that. And then the second thing that was my most favorite was um was Sam's sister Sarah and her side story that was going on, which would mm-hmm. have been two minutes of a movie, right? Like you know, so yeah. so getting to see mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed a lot of the talking. Um, uh, this fi- episode five, they get the fight out of the way in the first five minutes, and then and which was a great fight. It was really nice to see. But then yeah. we had forty five solid minutes of of character building that really for me ended the series. I was on um mm-hmm. this week last week I was on um on there was an idea, our friend Tara's show. She was on our WandaVision show and um I and um she had me on to talk about that episode, which to me felt like the finale of the story of Falcon and Winter Soldier. And then episode six was a uh, all right, now we have to glue this into the Marvel universe going going forward. And it felt yeah. like the prequel to a movie. Felt, yeah. Episode six felt like a kind of throwaway. And I feel like episode six like that's where it got like the politics of it got like kind of Weird. messy for it's, me. With, because I think yeah. before, if you if you like ending with episode five, it's sort of like I liked it and on note of like shit's complicated. Like, and like, sort of like we're talking about, like disagreeing about methods versus versus like the actual goals in mind and like how complicated that gets. And I feel like episode six, like, yes, you know, Falcon has his speech at the end and all that stuff that kind of like ties, like brings that back in. But the actual episode, like the events of the actual episode kind of, I think, mm-hmm. ruined that for me because we still end up back at, I guess because of the end of episode six, to me, it's like we still end up back at status quo. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, he's, he's have made this grand speech and they're apparently not going through with the resettlement. But at the same time, like there's still millions of people displaced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's and it's a and I the the thing I do think that's interesting about that that sort of like weird ending piece is it's interesting because had Harley not done what she had done, Falcon not would have, would not have had the leverage to to prevent the yeah. resettlement plan from going through, which I think is interesting. I want to make sure we get Marcel's view in here because like you liked the final episode. I did. So, <laughs> this plays into so many things going on here. So, the Marvel TV series. This is my favorite of all the Marvel TV series. I can kind of say that unequivocally. Okay. Uh, I think that WandaVision was really clever and cute. <laughs> but ultimately, it left me cold with its last episode because I really, and I presume anybody listening to this episode of your podcast has seen these shows. Because if you haven't, I don't know what you're doing. But <laughs> I was, yeah, seriously. But And if you made it this far, well, that's on you now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, by, by the way, spoilers, I guess. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> this entire yeah, right, show yeah, is just one giant so the the last episode of WandaVision, I had some real issues with the ethics of the Marvel verse and how they left things off. Mm-hmm. But in a larger sense, the TV shows, and I realized this several years ago, the TV shows kind of sort of don't matter. And there's this uh, there is this illusion that Marvel has sold us, Marvel, the greater entity, that the mm-hmm. TV shows and the movies 
belong in the same universe, and they do, but the the TV shows don't matter. They they put all their attention and stuff on the, mm-hmm. the films. So because mm-hmm. if you excise every TV show, and I'm talking Agent Carter, Agents of Shield, and now the Disney shows, uh, the Netflix shows, if you never see any of those, they have no bearing on anything you see in the films. Now you will see occasionally things introduced in the shows that migrate over to the films, like uh, Jarvis, for instance, from Agent Carter. Like we see him, and then later we see him in Endgame, and you know that mm-hmm. occasionally happens. But it has no actual bearing versus the yeah. other direction where the things in the films have bearing on the shows. Now, with that in mind, yes, I fully expected them to kind of, if not, if not restore the status quo by the end of any Marvel series show, you go back to the movies. Sure. Now, I just read earlier today that Marvel has plans to continue the Captain America series, the film series. They're going to do it formally a Captain America 4. Now, I've heard the show referred to as essentially the fourth Captain America film, which in spirit, yes, I agree with that, but it's not. Because at the end of Endgame, what did we see? We saw Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson, the shield. So the expectation is he's going to be Captain America. So if you cut to the next Captain America film and Sam Wilson's in costume, you haven't missed anything, really. You've missed the transition, but you haven't missed mm-hmm. narratively anything. So okay, I fully expected that. I, 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 have to, I have to step in and speak something with myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, uh, the, the only Marvel TV shows that are quote-unquote canon are Falcon and Winter Soldier. Now. And... Yeah. Feige has himself said he would have got it away everything else he would have got it away uh agents of shield and, because i mean when those were being when, when agents of shield was being produced there was a separation between marvel mm-hmm. film and Marvel TV. Right. So, and Marvel Film did their best to ignore the existence of yeah. Marvel TV. Well, that's well, exactly what I'm yeah, saying. Right. Like, but yeah, it, it, that's, that underscores his point. And, and I think it will be more moving forward, but I think that's exactly the point. Because I don't want to go into yeah. the whole canon versus the... No, no, but no, like, but, yeah, but you can, the, the, you can the, wipe the them off the board. Is, yes. The point is that with the two Disney Plus series, um, that they are meant... Uh, much more directly to connect to the films. Uh, WandaVision, WandaVision is like a prequel to Doctor Strange 2, Multiverse of Madness. Falcon and Winter Soldier is a test run for a, a Captain America 4. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what's going to become of Black Panther uh, as far, I mean, they're still planning a Black Panther too. Mm-hmm. In pre-pro. But what becomes of that series? Would there ever, will there be a three considering what they've lost? You know, but I don't so, think the TV shows matter to the films. I, I you think you can, you can skip them. I, 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 I see what you're saying. You can, you would know you, if you didn't know the backstory of Falcon Winter Soldier mm-hmm. and you, if you didn't know it existed, you could move from in game, presumably oh, to, sure. Sure, at, the, at the end of Endgame, 
Steve mm-hmm. hands him the shield. If you if the next thing you see is Captain America four and he's wielding the shield, then yeah, you I, you probably don't need the uh, mm-hmm. the intermediary step. The, 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 but uh, my my point was more of <laughs> my point was more of uh, it's apples and oranges considering they've wiped away any. Mm-hmm semblance of canon between the ABC TV yeah. shows yeah. and certainly the Netflix shows. And and at some future point they can do the same thing with these. So yeah, they could, yeah. Well, and you, but you have to also, like, media lives perpetually. So whether one, whether a thing is canon or not canon, and this, this is a holdover from comics themselves, you know, we're dealing with all media all the time. And this is why things get referenced again and brought back. Marvel itself has introduced the con- concept of multiverses. That way you can kind of, you can still legitimize, so to speak, any previous iteration of characters. You know, we've sure. seen DC already doing this. DC, I think that has historically been one of DC's strengths is they embraced multiverse concepts and they were, you know, really done that with their TV shows and films. But, to go back to what you you asked and referenced, like for me, episode six. Well, first of all, if if Falcon and Winter Soldier, the series, is essentially one long narrative with convenient breaks for us to yeah, you know to earn a living, 20, yeah, for seven days, yeah, sure. right. <laughs> it's 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 still structured more or less like most Marvel stories are structured, where like mm-hmm. you have the big fight at the end, but what. What made it for me, and I agree also, episode five was really strong. I've heard, I've read and heard people reference that Sam's voice in the series seemed comparably kind of passive, you know, um, and I think there's, there's legitimacy to that. Mm -hmm. In episodes five and six, it, it pivoted to being far more Sam's story. And so you get the, the embracing of him in the role, but also him making Bucky come to understand that he didn't just, you know, he didn't just set that shield aside for no reason. He had reasons. And mm-hmm. so he's, this is, you know, episode five to me is him communicating to the world. Look, this is why I have not done this thing and I am mm-hmm. valid in it. And conversely, it's also Bucky understanding it. So mm-hmm. if you have that conversation, and Sam ultimately makes that choice. And he talks about that overtly in episode five. Like, I'm I'm free to make the choice that I want to make. You're free to make the choice you want to make. We are free to be our own people. We have to see the choice. Like, from a narrative perspective, we got to see him in action as Captain America at that point. Mm-hmm. And we got to see him confront, which has been the threat that's been laid out. But also, it was the speech. Like, for me, that speech, and it yes, it was heavy-handed, and but it was meant to be, you know, because... Mm-hmm. My thinking when he was in 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 the middle of it was Steve Rogers could have given a speech like that. Mm-hmm. It would not have had anywhere near the weight that it that it did coming from Sam. So you have to have that moment where you see him kind of declared like this is my stance as Captain America. This is the stance of your first black Captain America. So I would have felt it was incomplete without that episode. Mm-hmm. I will I will agree on that. So the thing that I liked most about episode six is um you know how how it ends up is the heavy handed and corny speech, which is what Captain America is for, right? I said that as an insult. Captain America, right? I, I said that as an insult. 
fully intending for it not to be an insult. Yeah. That's yeah. how mm-hmm. you, that's how you Captain America. And what made it work for me is two things. Um, I, I, I think he was Captain America in well. Yeah, sure, you can punch stuff and throw a shield. But he goes out and he gives the speech and he does two things that work for me. One, he explains for public consumption as opposed to for Bucky's consumption. On episode five, it's him trying to make Bucky understand, look, here's why I turn the shield down. You know, let me try to explain this to you in ways in which you can understand what this means. And to Bucky's credit, my favorite, my favorite moment in the entire series is in episode five where Bucky sits down and says, look, you know, Steve talked to me before he did this and neither he nor I knew what it would mean to hand that shield to you. And I'm sorry. Like that is, that was brilliant because for me, that was, uh, and again, I talked about this on the, there was an idea show. That is a moment where Bucky is sort of modeling racial understanding in, uh, in the most progressive way he possibly can. He's some dude who was born in like 19. 19- or whatever he has no he he cannot really Mm -hmm. conceptualize what it's like to be a black man growing up in 20th century america but he knows that his friend can and he says i don't understand this but i appreciate you so i'm sorry and by the way steve captain america didn't understand it either so that that moment works for me what worked in episode six was even though the world doesn't see that speech, he's got the callback for it. And he says, I'm a black man. People are going to be mad at me just for having this suit on, yeah. um, which I don't know that the Marvel fans in general, they're they've, they're they're pretty on board with it just because. But but like in a real world, absolutely. Oh, my God. Captain America is a white guy, which is what happened when they did it in the comics in the first place. Um, and yeah. there, there was pushback. So I understood that. I appreciated that. And what I appreciated even more was when um, the senator says to him, you don't understand, this is complicated. We can't just do that. And, and he says, I understand. I'm a black man living in America. Of course I understand. I don't have a solution. You figure it out. You know, my job's to fucking punch people. Like, I'm Captain America. I'm doing my part. He's like, it's supposed to be hard. He's like, I get that it's hard. I have no solution for it. You figure it out. And that's not something that um, Steve Rogers, the white Captain America, ever said. Like, I like that Sam embraced his, um, like, he's like, I don't have a solution to this problem. It's, uh, we all have to work together for this problem. So that's the part that I liked about episode six. I, uh, I, I, you know, it was neat seeing him, you know, how is he going to do, how is he going to fight differently than Steve, you know, integrating the wings, all that, all the fighty stuff was kind of neat, but I thought that speech is what made episode six work at all. Yeah. Um, and I think it, and I agree with Marcel in that I feel like that tied a bow around the entire series. Well, like it, it's, it's the, the ending. That, it sold it to me better than the comics did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Mav, you and I talked at the time, like, you know, the, the problem I had with Falcon becoming Captain America in the comics is here's this character who has had his own established identity for 40 years, but he's only been in training to take over the white guy's job. Mm-hmm. And, and and I know and I know it was more than that, and that's a mm-hmm. you know, gross simplification. No, I think it's right. I will link in the show notes the blog that I wrote back at the time when the comic when the comic came yeah, out because I was and- I was against Sam being Captain America mm-hmm. for non racist reasons. I didn't like how the comics treated it like nothing that he'd done for forty years as Falcon matters as much as being backup Cap, and I hated yeah, that. Yeah, but 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 the, the show I thought sold the idea. We saw the development much better. I, to mm-hmm. me, the the show sold it, and I was absolutely fine with it in ways that I wasn't when I read it in the comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, think, have, I thought it did it better. Mm-hmm. We have something in the MCU that we don't have really in comics, which is mortality. So they have mm-hmm. to introduce they have to introduce that, like with with the idea of 
Steve Rogers aging, being old, and, and Tony Stark dying. You know, now these characters, it's a real universe. You know, you don't have the, yeah. the, the luxury of reboots or just what Marvel has traditionally done in the comics, which is glossing over aging. Now you have to address aging. And Sam Wilson, by, by taking on this mantle, he is the first true legacy character in, in the MCU. Um, mm-hmm. Iron, you know, Iron Patriot, James Rhodes, like he's, he is, um, he Iron is Man-ish, a, but not the same. It's not the same. Yeah. The way yeah. I look at it is like he, he embodies Iron Man's physical power, whereas Peter Parker, Spider-Man, he embodies Tony Stark's intellect and responsibility. So like the two of them together kind of, kind of are the legacy inherit, they inherit the legacy of, Tony Stark and Iron Man, but this is like the real deal. This is like somebody actually taking on a mantle. And we saw that with the public season. I love that little moment, you know, where they, they had to call back to the black Falcon and, and the one guy just looks at him. And of course it has to be a black man who does this, who looked at him and says, no, that's Captain America. And like, to me, like, there it is. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's the grace note that that had to have, but it's, it's about mortality as I see it. That's, that's one of the other reasons I, I, didn't buy it as well in the comics because like, okay, give this six months to a year, Steve will be back. So, you know, no matter what he was, I I always felt like this is a temporary patch. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And that was my thing. It was a temporary patch. Um, I think I said at the time, no, Captain America is not Sam Wilson. Captain America is not Steve Rogers. Captain America is Chris Evans and the sh- and the comic will reset before there's another movie for it, yeah, which is exactly right. what happened because we've got yeah. to sell this other film. We've yeah. got to, we've got to capitalize on it. That's not an issue here. Chris Evans, you know, he may come back, but, he, but he doesn't have to. Um, and what Marcel just said, you know, the, the mortality of it, the realness of, having to work with actual actors, the realness of the fact that in real life, Chadwick Boseman died. He's just gone and we can't have him back. So the movies need to find a way to address that, you know, you know, the meta narrative over around what the MCU is in order to keep it viable. Am I the only one who watched the six, watched that, that, that speech at the end of episode six and thought, come on, bullshit. Nobody's, nobody's, nobody's gonna, nobody in a position, nobody in a, no, 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 hold on, wait, (laughs) loved the speech, loved Mm -hmm. what he had to say, then we cut to a scene where they're talking about how the GRC has reversed course. And all oh, I yeah. could think, all I could think is bullshit. I don't care. I don't care if, if cartoon birds and, and, and musical notes <laughs> visible to the human eye flew out of Sam's mouth. Do you really think that once the cameras are off, they're going <laughs> to do anything differently than what they wanted to do? I had the same reaction where like, I, I, I mean, part of it is also like, I, I approach this TV show as like Captain America is probably my least favorite like mm-hmm. Marvel character. So I think that also like, I appreciate the cheesy speeches. I also, it, it like for me, it's an eye roll thing, even though I understood it's part of the character. So I like, yeah. I appreciate it on that level. But yeah, that speech is like, I think, the most charitable reading I have of that is you have to assume that the speech was maybe the tipping point. It wasn't the reason. <laughs> like, because, I mean, the real, the, the, the actual thing, like, this is a kind of what I was saying earlier, like, like, had there not been this terrorist organization, whatever, basically, like, about to kill all these people, there would have been no pressure. So, like, mm-hmm. the, the way that the show presents it as basically, like, Sam's speech is what changes everything is, like, even, I don't know that the show presents it as that neatly, and it, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not. I don't know. Yeah, so we we have the the real the real life of you know people whose life were on the line in the insurrection. Mm-hmm. 
still not calling it an inter- insurrection, still saying and mm-hmm. supporting the same dumbass things they did before. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, you know, rhetoric doesn't always win the day. But I mean, once again, that's kind of the beauty of fiction and narrative. I mean, this is as as real world as they try to make it, it is at its heart meant to be heroic fiction and the good guys win. So But I guess the question is, did the good guys actually win? Yeah. <laughs> so there's a weird dichotomy in the way that this show in particular presents its motivations that I think is it's more it's very specific to Falcon and Winter Soldier and not so much the rest of the MCU shows or films. The MCU is very good at having complex villains with quotes around it. What made Carly and the Flag Smashers work is that morally I am 100% on their side. They were absolutely right. Like I yes, she her her argument is look, the world came together to deal with this crisis and now that the crisis is over as far as I can see, the GRC's only plan is let's go back to making things as sucky as they were. Why? Why would we want to do that? Now, again, her and then you're supposed to go, yeah, she's morally right. I mean, Sam says you're morally right. I agree with you. I I disagree with your methods. So it allows her to be a complex character. I also, interestingly enough, um, the key moment for me with John Walker's character was he, during his court martial scene, is absolutely right. You know, he he says, yeah. you trained me to be a, a killer. You sent me out mm. there to kill the bad guys. I did my job. I did it well. And now you're mad at me. He's 100% morally correct in his... Now, I mean, do I want to be a killer? No, but what he's saying is... His point is 100% valid, yeah. and I agree with him. Um, so the show got well, those, the, the, these major character, even the, even the villains in, you know, in scare quotes, it got their motivations right. Where it falls down a little bit is the motivations of the, the non-characters, the world at large. So for exactly the reason Kingdom was just saying, will, um, will you have the, you know, can one speech change the mind of, you know, I mean, it's called the GRC, but essentially the UN or the US government, eh, you know, just give up capitalism, give up borders, you know, like that would be hard. The one that struck me even earlier in the series was, um, episode two. Episode two is when we see, um, John Walker's first press conference where he walks out, they stick him in Yankee Stadium or where the fuck he was. They stick him in this big stadium and let him sit on the ground and give this speech about how proud he is to be, um, Captain America. And everybody's cheering and going, yay, yay, new cap. And, and, and I'm thinking, have you, did you look at the internet ever? Because in real life, if you, I mean, you can't, you can't replace the, the, you know, the quarterback on a football team without people in the crowd being, boo, fuck you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like there's, there is no way that you got, I mean, and not just, I mean, and not and forget a black man. You can't just stick another white man in that suit in this, in, in the real world and expect everybody to just sort of buy in. But well, they did. They did take him to his. That, that stadium is his high school, high school. football, uh-huh. which I'm sure was also like in reality that would have been a heavily curated audience. Yeah, because uh-huh. like even you- like. I, like that, that scene I buy actually because that would have been a carefully orchestrated, everybody yeah. would have been coached on what to say when, including the people on the stands. Because yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a media circus, yeah. it's not and an yeah, actual every, genuine it, event. So, sure, it's a MAGA rally, but every MAGA rally, they have to throw somebody out. You know, even at, even at, at Trump's ridiculous things, there's always somebody in there where they have to, oh, damn it, we got to get, and they, and they will yank them out. So, I would have wanted to. I wanted to see a little bit of somebody not on board and maybe, and maybe that happened and we just didn't see it. Maybe it really is that curated and we didn't see it, but I wanted to see a little bit of disagreement, a little bit of people being, 
I don't trust this new cap from the beginning other than just Sam and Bucky. Because Sam and Bucky, of course, you don't trust them. You're friends with the real guy. You know, like you, you, you guys don't count. You're not you're not impartial. I wanted to see it be a little more complex. And the world is the world of regular people is are is very simple in this in this world. And then the complex, uh, the complex emotions belong to Bucky, Sam, uh, Sharon, Zemo, Carly, John. They're the ones who will get all the complex things to do. Um, and that's sort of by design, I think, in order to have the heavily didactic narrative, you know, because that's again, that's what Captain America is in some ways. Um, this is probably more true to the way. I mean, not that this means anything to to film only fans or even modern comic book fans, but this is the world that Mark Grunewald wrote, you know, back in the 80s. You know, Cap deals with complex stuff in a world that wants to be simple. And so I'm okay with it. I just don't know if it played 100% perfectly. And I'm getting, you know, and, and I and I need to like do, I need to turn on critical analysis brain in order to see it. And it, and it leaves me feeling uneasy in a few ways. Question. Mm-hmm. Like genuine question. Like to what extent though is that the limitations also of the, like the MCU itself? Because like, I guess, especially as for someone who doesn't know the comic book lore in the mm-hmm. way that you guys do, like, I don't know that I, I go to a Marvel movie expecting that kind of level of nuance because that's not what that, that genre excels at, if that makes sense. Like a superhero movie to me seems to require some level of there are good guys and bad guys. And I think the interesting thing with the show is that it does try to complicate that a little bit, which I think is why, like, Wayne, like, I don't know that they're, I don't think the good guys actually necessarily won, because I think in this particular version, there's not really good guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought WandaVision, I thought WandaVision did do that complication. I thought, I thought, um, I thought Captain America and the Winter Soldier, the film, did that. Comp- I mean, not again, we're not talking, you know, this is not a, you know, 2000 page novel. I think it did it better than this did. Sure. Let's put it that way. And I, I guess, think like even Cop- Captain America and Winter Soldier and even the two, sure. the last two Avengers movies, I thought they had more nuance of regular people in a way that this didn't. Well, and you're you're talking to scope now, and I think that's mm-hmm. fair. And to just step back for a little bit, um, in defense of the result of Sam's speech, you know, there's as I see, there's like like there's a couple things here. One of them is scope. Like we don't see the the vibe of people on the street. You know, this is not these most of these movies, these TV shows, they're not like the the comic series Marvels. We don't get the average person's responses to these right. big events in, or an yeah. aggregate of that even. You know, that's really not we don't get that and because we don't get that, we don't have a sense of what was the pressures on these politicians following Sam's speech? You know, because they're not operating in a vacuum either because of the scope of this series. We don't get an aggregate of how, you know, the person on the street feels about what's going on and what what they feel about this. So there's far more going on as far as the politicians themselves go, like pressures on them than we are privy to. So when Sam mm-hmm. delivers that message... You know, they have to take into account, like, the weight that he carries in that world. And also, we're talking about scope. I want to acknowledge something that I do think this series did well, which is they normal. Well, the series, all of Marvel's MCU, they have to normalize a fantastic world. And Falcon and Winter Soldier did a great, it reframed the dynamics of the MCU by showing real world ramifications of, of these, you know, fantastic events that happened in the film, specifically the blip. Um, and by, because we don't know what it's like to live in a world where half the population died and came back. 
So mm-hmm. when if Sam, you know, psychologically speaking, there was a lot more going on there than just Sam making making a a, a bombastic speech or a heartfelt speech. You know, like because I believe it was genuine to his character, which is oh, you know, that's yeah, great. So, but we, you know, it's more than just him making a speech and they go, oh well, let's do this instead. It's really it's speaking to the the collective psychology of half the, the planet, and this is the real world. So in the real world, does it work? No. Because we live in this real world. We don't live in that world. So in that world, as closely as it may mirror ours, there's some things I feel like we just kind of have to give them. And that's what I would like. I don't know what it's like to live in a world where half the people died and came back. And now people are fighting for, you know, their space in a whole other context than we mm-hmm. do now. Like it mirrors it, but it's not exactly the same. So like, that's where I can, I can give them that one. You know, like I, mm-hmm. I think that's possible you know is it is it likely is it, i don't know i think that part's kind of just up to whoever's telling the story i do want that story by the way um and this is maybe this is an aside because i i agree with you and i think um since the end of Endgame, we've had one movie and two tv series now we've had spider-man um and we've had wandavision and this and each of them has hinted at ramifications of the blip mm-hmm. but nobody's really deep dove into it the most we've gotten was the Monica Rambo specific episode of yeah. um of WandaVision. And then a little bit here where um where the banker explains to Sam in I think it's episode two or three. I'm not sure maybe it might even be one. one. Is it one? one? Okay. Yeah. Where the banker explains to Sam, dude, I mean, and yes, there's some racism going on there too, but mm-hmm. the banker has a legitimate point of I'm I don't know how to give you a loan. You have five years of zero credit rating. I yeah. there's no and and I and I I understand the guy's point, even though you know he's being a jerk about it. It's like, yeah, but can I get your picture? You know, I, he's being a jerk about it. But yeah. that is a legitimate concern. I don't know what to do here. There's no textbook for this. There's no, you know, they didn't teach me this in banker school of what you do for a guy. But I do think literally are, save the planet. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I do think there are analogs of this in real life. So even I mean, no, I don't know what it's like to live in a world where, you know, half the population disappears and then comes back but there are people who were prisoners of war for like five or six years and then come back and have to pick up their life and i think that there are interesting stories that you tell that you know in real life a guy is captured by enemy soldiers you know and he spends five years in a pow camp and then he comes back and he has to pick up his life but the world's moved on I'll, and we you got know a what, taste Mav- of that here for a season of homeland Right, right. Actually, yes. Mav, you gave me, you just made me think. I think we have a very, a closer, an, an analog to mm-hmm. that and what Sam did in the speech having an effect on policy in the, mm-hmm. our real world right here. And that's um, what John Stewart did testifying in front of, you know, the hearings in Congress about how 9 11 responders were treated and the benefits yeah. they were getting. Like, to yes. me, that's it. Like, it does happen. Like, sometimes if someone is willing to be public and, and, and to be, to give a public voice to collective mm-hmm. opinion and they do it just so, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, there's such specificity to that. Like, I, I liked that Isaiah Bradley said to Sam, you know, I have to admit, you're special because mm-hmm. he is, you know, the idea that not just anybody could walk into his role, do yes. what he does and say what he says and try to have an effect. But the right person at the right time, but he took that on because he felt like this is this right thing to do. We, it would be immoral mm-hmm. 
to not give them the voice. I'll lend my profile to this cause, and hopefully there's enough people out here who believe mm-hmm. what I believe. Sam says his power is optimism. He's just trying to do the right thing. Right. I just, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about something. Uh, you know, we go back and talk about the banker and talk about, you know, uh, the, the world during the blip. And I, I realized that the world we're seeing now, uh, you know, well, post the blip after the snap, mm-hmm. the world we're seeing, be, uh, uh, after the blip is ridiculously clean. Like, I mean, even, <laughs> even, even what we've, even what we see of, these GRC camps is orderly. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I, 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 let me let me let me posit a couple of things about what would have happened after the snap, and mm-hmm. tell me if the world after the blip would be anywhere as tidy as, as that's, it, what, I, that's as what I was going to ask right before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I used to uh, I, I used to have a fantasy, a recurring fantasy, while driving through rush hour traffic of. Uh, I wish that every other human on the planet would disappear. <laughs> and then I realized that's not going to help my commute because then I have to move several hundred thousand cars off the highway by myself. <laughs> After the snap, the auto industry would collapse because why would I buy a car when there are <laughs> thousands of free cars sitting around? With the keys in the friggin' ignition, here's my car. And who's to stop me? Who's going to stop me from uh, the, the real estate industry? A lot of ca- capitalism collapses like uh, like it's the, 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 the walking dead and we just got rid of the last sum. Mm-hmm. Now there's just whatever you wanted is just laying around. If, Nicol- if Nicolas Cage turned to dust, I could walk into his mansion and steal all his comics. You know, like, whatever I want is is there. I just have to brush the dust of the previous owner off. Okay, so when you suddenly have four billion people reappear, you've had five years to adjust to uh, to, new new, to a new normal, and then four billion people reappear. Mm-hmm. That's the show. Well, that's the show I want to see, right? Because so we got a we got a taste of it, right? We got far from home, or um, we see. Oh, you know, we unblip, and then there's the band in the middle of the basketball field uh, court, yeah. and that's funny, right? And and I and I and we see a little bit of the chaos that happens when Monica reappears in the hospital, and there are just people. Oh my God, where are all these people who disappeared five years ago coming from? And then uh-huh. here in, in in Falcon and Winter Soldier, we see you know the banker have two minutes to explain how capitalism has changed. Yeah, but that's it. That's all. That's all he gets. Um, the question that I have is um, and it's born of um, Anthony Russo has a has a cameo in Endgame where he's playing a man at um at Steve Rogers Survivors um you know yeah support group and he says you know and he says okay so I started dating again. And I went out on a date and it it was weird because I, you know, all I did was talk about how much I miss my husband. Right. Like that's, you know, and, and so like, that's interesting. I want to see that, but, uh, but moreover, now that guy, that guy's been mourning for five years. Right. I, you know, I love my wife, but if she were to die tomorrow, I can't guarantee that I'm not with someone new in five years. Five years is a long time. Right. It, I mean, I'm not saying I would be, but I'm, I'm not glad, saying I wouldn't I'm glad, either. I'm glad you said five years. I thought you were really going to indict yourself. No, no, no. <laughs> no but like, but like, if I were to kill Steph tomorrow. 
Well, but no, but that that five year gap's important, right? And I, yeah. I have to, I have right, to believe. And you don't know that people are coming back. As far as right, you know, they're right. dead. As far as I know, she died, right? Like yeah. in in a horrific world ending accident where I now have lots of trauma, as do so many other people. So it's entirely possible I bond with that over somebody. And I'm thinking there's a world where where someone got vaporized right in in, yeah. in the snap. And then fi- it's five years later, their spouse has now, uh, you know, this, it took two, two years moved of really grieving, but they've moved on. They've yeah. remarried. They have new kids, you know, yeah. like they, like there's, well, a, there's yeah. a whole world that has developed where, you know, like, yeah, um, you di- you died as far as I knew. I couldn't live in that house anymore. So I moved to the other side of the country to start over. So now you mm-hmm. reappear in this house and I'm gone. Right. Like even, I mean, I'm wondering if Hawkeye will deal with this. Right. Cause Hawkeye mm-hmm. at the end of end game, the Hawkeye we saw is just getting his call from his wife and like, you know, Oh, Oh mm-hmm. my God. You know, she's, we're alive and everybody's happy, but like, he's a different dude. He's had five years mm-hmm. of, of murder to, you know, like, can she look, can she just, you know, for her? Yes. I realize it's instant, but for him, is he even the person who was in love mm-hmm. with her? Five years later, he's a different guy, and I, I, I I would like to see that explored. There's also, you know, the thousands of people who were on airplanes when they disappeared, yeah, and then reappeared and plummeted to their death. Yeah, the Russo brothers. You know what? They said, they said, said, oh well, the snap made made them appear on the ground, and I'm like, that's kind of bullshitty. No, 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 no. no, no. Actually, actually, I'm going to give this them this because they all reappeared, but it doesn't mean everybody reappeared exactly where they were at. Yeah, because you had. Somebody actually, direct, you know, like yeah. you have a person doing but, this but, thing. Yeah, I guess. That, 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 was, that was my first thought because <laughs> uh, like, the yeah. little bit of this we saw of Spider Man was them reappearing where they disappeared from. Yeah, a lot yeah, of weird fantasy stretches of the Marvel universe. That one, I'm willing. I'm, I, I'm willing yeah, that one. I'm willing to accept that. Yes, Banner, people can fly. Banner making the snap thinks to himself the words safe and sound. Yeah, right. I, okay. What I feel sorry for you, you get is a the no people, prize kingdom. Yeah, what I feel is I I want that empty envelope. What I feel sorry for <laughs> is all the people who were on planes uh, when their pilot got stabbed. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. right. They're not coming back. Yeah, they didn't yeah. die. They didn't die in the snap. They died after the well, snap. When the plane, right? Those well, people saw that. are and still dead. <laughs> and you think about how that plays out. I mean, think of people in the middle of surgery and your surgeon is gone or or just like mm-hmm. all these things but we're never like i who knows yeah. like I'll, I'll never say never because i don't know the whims and wishes of <laughs> of the great god corporate, corporate yeah. <laughs> yes exactly yes yeah. but i will say we will probably never see all the dirt of that because yeah. that doesn't you know it's owned by disney so they're not going to give us that although you know that'd be fascinating if somebody else some other media thing did their own take on what that would be like. That would be a fascinating thing to explore. Like, what would it be like to come back to a world that has moved on? So you're asking for fanfic now. And I, I, but no, I, really, I'm nobody, not. Nobody, <laughs> nobody asks for fanfic. Fanfic I just kind of, fanfic, fanfic, appears. fanfic appears like a blades of grass through the cracks of a sidewalk. Wow, that <laughs> sounded pretty. <laughs> that was too poetic for, for fanfic. I need to break it to you. I, I, I support all of our listeners who enjoy who enjoy fanfic, and you know, please leave us a five star review. And write your fanfic in the five 
star review and we will leave us a, leave us a five star review as penance for writing fan be, because of the poetry I want you to write your fanfic in iambic pentameter <laughs> well, I want a sonnet to those lost in the blip wow we're off the rails a little bit I do want to say though I, I do think that the show did address it not as much as I mean not as much I'm dreaming of the show without superheroes where we just follow the life of Anthony Russo's character like I want to see you know what his life is now that his husband's come back and he's moved well, on and you know but I do want to see that drama but what I love about this show about Falcon and Winter Soldier more so than WandaVision even because WandaVision we didn't really see much of it um, it was handed at but here we really see that the you know the world moved on there are ramifications Sarah Sam's sister says to him look I was a single mom I didn't have a husband I didn't have a brother helping me out and I raised these two kids on my own and I don't blame you. It wasn't your fault that you were gone, but you were gone. You know, the world changed mm-hmm. and, and you were gone and I just had to make shit happen. And I, I, and want I got to used to doing it for five years. Right. Yeah. And, w- and what I love about, what I love about this iteration of the MCU, when Avengers one happened, right? Avengers one, the world learns that there are aliens. The aliens come and they attack New York City and destroy it. And by the next movie, no one really cares. And this is something that happens in comic books all the time, right? Sometimes Galactus comes and tries to eat the planet. The Fantastic Four beat them, beat them, and then the world moves on. And in real life, it's 2021. It's been 20 years and we're still talking about 9-11, right? Like mm-hmm. that's like that. So yeah, the I, world I, sees I, aliens. This, should, this, should, this is all anybody should talk about ever in the, in, yeah, in, the right. in, in, in a real world. And that appears to be the case with the blip. The, the blip seems to have gone. Yeah, this changed things and we've just got to deal with stuff now. Yeah, I, I remember reading a comic when I was young, like the first time that really hit me where I believe it was the Avengers. Cause my, my memory tells me it was Tony Stark. And I don't remember what they were confronting, but it was some big alien thing. And Tony's like, dear Lord, I've never seen anything like this before. And my 12 year old brain says, I did in Iron Man two months ago. What are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like for, for all your continuity, you're trying to sell me on this idea that this is surprising to you. Um, and it really shouldn't be. And, and that happens, but that's a, that's part of the conceit of it. Like, you know, right. there's a, there's a conceit of, <laughs> I mean, this, oh, this sorry. even makes fun of, there's a conceit that happens in it. And this show even makes fun of it where Sam's like, you know, androids, aliens, and wizards. And Bucky's like, there's no such thing as wizards. And Sam's like, you know, a fucking wizard. Dr. Strange is a sorcerer. A wizard is a sorcerer without a hat. And th- that was brilliant because it just, it, it really did. Like I've seen, it, it's a problem in superhero media, not just movies, but the comics as well. The, the Marvel, the Marvel universe, the fact that the God Thor walks the earth should blow religion apart. Organized religion should have so many problems, <laughs> you know, because, because you're like, Oh, well, I mean, we thought Christianity, Judaism, Muslim, we thought that was the first, but apparently Thor is just real. And we all know this. <laughs> so like that should screw things up. Like people should be like, you know, even, and even if you're saying, no, he's not really a God, he's an alien. Yeah. That's not enough. This guy that they they wrote stories about, you know, four thousand years ago, is walking the earth right now. <laughs> so, so are that you, should, are, that are should, you asking if Jesus would join the Avengers? I mean, if Jesus shows <laughs> up, if, if Jesus shows up walking the earth and like you know turning water into wine or whatever, 
then yeah, yeah Nick Fury should be like, hey, uh, you know, Lord and Savior. I'd like to talk to you about the. I would like to talk to you about the Avengers, the Avengers Initiative. Initiative. <laughs> That's something that should happen. Yes, if he were there. World War Three breaks out. Right. But if he's not there, if there, if Jesus is not walking the earth, you know, yeah. visibly. But Thor is, yeah. and that should have ramifications in the world. And it feels like the blip is something where they're at least testing the waters of dealing with these little things. Like um, Aunt May in Spider-Man Far From Home says she woke up. I mean, she reappeared, and there was a new family living in their house. You know, mm-hmm. so they live somewhere else now. And like, like I, you know, I do want to see that stuff dealt with, which is, yeah. which is, it, it, it at least feels, it feels like a lived-in world. Falcon and Winter Soldier very much felt like a lived-in world. I want to just make a quick mention of um, Lamar Hoskins' Battlestar character because... It was awesome in the comics and short-shrifted here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I Although I am glad they included him, I was intrigued at the way they recontextualized him. And, you know, I Captain America as a, as a comic series was a thing that, as I was growing up, you know, he kind of had an awareness back in the day of everything, sort of, kind of. And, you know, certainly if you collected Marvel and DC, you just sort of knew the landscape. And I would float in and out of certain titles, and Captain America is one of them. So I got to have a handful of issues for a while, and then, you know, go away and come back. So I was collecting Captain America when they introduced that character. And I remembered how he, you know, he came in and he adopted the name Bucky. And then there's there's a few issues later, maybe about six or seven issues or so later, mm-hmm. he, he had, the character had a conversation with another person, and it was like a black agent, I forget if it was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. or whatever, but it was another person. It was like, literally, he runs into just a random guy who's just, who tells him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tells him about based, the historical significance right. of the name Bucky. It's based on a letter from the letter column that w- where somebody wrote in to Gru in the letter column and said, yeah, you shouldn't really do that with a black character. And mm-hmm. Gru took it to heart, and he wrote in that scene. So, yes, mm-hmm. um, we, we should explain. Well, I'm going ahead. You should explain to the listeners why this is a problem. <laughs> so it was basically it was a slur. The word for black people, like the the, the name, the term Bucky was a slur. So, mm-hmm. you know, the character immediately realizes, you know, Lamar Hoskins really like, I can't use that name. I can't be Bucky. And if we're talking about the significance of names, that's kind of important because, you know, a black man can choose to be Captain America, but a black man had to also choose, I can't be Bucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so then he adopted the name Battlestar. So I was very happy to see him in this. It was interesting. Yeah, I do think he got short served. I understand the narrative purpose of what they did with him. And again, this, the MCU is a, introduces the element of mortality. So you can't just necessarily, you can't expect the more, I'm going to say, tertiary characters to just make it in mm-hmm. these stories. Um, but I would have liked to have seen a little bit more. You know, I liked, I liked just, you know, I, I like the conversations these characters have sometimes. I like the mm-hmm. idea of a character being asked, would you take the, the super soldier serum? Yeah, I would. Of course. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, ethic, the ethics behind that, the morals behind it, and just who is this person that they dispatch of really quickly before we get to understand who and what they are and why they made the choices they mm-hmm. made, what their allegiance was to the John Walker character. You know, it, it speaks to also in a grander sense, what does Captain America mean to people both inside fiction and outside of fiction, and why do we favor the characters that we do? Um, you know, I loved the asides where, where people referred to the Falcon as Black Falcon, you know, and, and, and the, <laughs> the conversations that that's mirrored that I've heard and been in in the real world. Um, I, there was a there was a fascinating Twitter post from the actor Desmond 
I am who's who's in this. He played um I'm trying to think of the character's name, Dovich, one of the flag smashers. Mm-hmm. And so in this post, and I'm just gonna try and summarize it real fast, you know, he he's he's Asian, but I believe he grew up in Australia. Um mm-hmm. he his favorite character was Captain America growing up. And he says he just loved what that character embodied, and like that was his character. So being on the set of Captain America was like his dream. And so he had posted on Twitter, he he talked about this at length, and he posted a picture of him holding the shield. Well, apparently when this happened, there was another there was a crew member who was also Asian, and I'm I I'm paraphrasing. I I you know hope everybody just looks it up because he says it much more eloquently than I do. But he asks this crew member to take a picture of him holding the shield, which he does. And as this person is taking his photo, he's telling them, the actor's telling them about his love of Captain America and what that meant to him in his real life. So the crew member says, hang on a second. And he steps away and he comes back with a big binder. So as it turns out, this person is one of the people in charge of repainting Captain America's shield for the movies, like when the paint chips off and flex. So that's his, that's his job. He opens this binder. And he, there are samples of paint that they have saved that have chipped off of the shield that they mm. save for color reference. And he gives the actor one of those chips. And he says, put that, like, and he puts it in, like, the back of his phone case so you can see. It. He says, keep that. Now you've got a piece of Captain America's shield. I thought, my Lord, like that hit me so hard emotionally because, you know, I used to, I used to teach, I still teach kids (laughs) comics and comics related art and how to make comics and all stuff. And a thing that I learned a long time ago was not to make fun of whatever character somebody loves, because that speaks to something so integral to, to, to people. Like I'm actually Mm -hmm. intrigued whenever I hear who people define as their favorite characters. And you know, a couple times I had kids just volunteer it and, you know, it almost made me want to cry because you can, you just, I feel like you, if you're really listening right, you can hear a lot of a person's life story and their, their, their struggles, their whatever, and how that plays out through these characters. Like, why do they mean what they mean? So like hearing like that actor, that person that he loved Captain America that much and he got him through struggles and things. And then he got to be on that show. Like it made me really happy for him. But it also made me think of, it makes me think of Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson. And you know what? We haven't really talked about him as much, but Bucky slash Winter Soldier. Like, what do these characters mean to people both in those, in that universe and outside and Mm -hmm. who they inspire just by virtue of being who they are and who sees them do what they do? You know, are these narratives going to be perfect? No, because they can't be, Mm -hmm. but they're always perfect for someone. And I think that's Mm -hmm. the thing to remember, you know, like... Maybe, you know, maybe this movie or this TV show, whatever, didn't work for me. But there's somebody out there who took that thing to heart and it's like just changed their life. And you know what? For that, you know, I'm just always glad when I see that stuff being made. There's a friend of um, a friend of mine in Kingdoms, uh, Sam Panico. Um, I remember watching. I knew Sam. Oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we, we were at um, we were watching a big a wrestling thing once. Uh, we were at a wrestling show. We were watching. um. I think we were watching like an old Royal Rumble. Um, it wasn't even like the more recent. It was just like we were watching tapes. And there's a point where um, Haku, the wrestler Haku, comes out and 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 like somebody made a joke about uh, about you know oh well that's a great surprise ha 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 Haku is never Haku was never a huge name wrestler he's you know he's a he's a random guy thirty people were in the Royal Rumble match and so you just got to fill up the ring so you just get random people and Sam pointed out something he goes yeah okay you can make fun of him 
but you have to understand some kid out there just lost his fucking mind, you yeah. know, watching this when Haku yeah. showed up because Haku is somebody's favorite wrestler or uh-huh. he wouldn't be there. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, he's there. Like they went and got him because they're like, somebody is just like going some, some kid because he hadn't been, he hadn't been around in a while. He had like left the company. So some kid is at home and Haku shows up and that kid just freaked the fuck out going, Oh my God, this is amazing because, and, and that's what this is all about. And I think that's what Marcel is, is touching on there. Mm-hmm. I do want to make sure that we touch on a few of the other characters though, you know, for that reason, because you know, we, we haven't talked much about where I think the show lets me down the most is Sharon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I, uh, part of me, part of me really believes that, um, I think her story might have been hurt by COVID stuff because um, I know they they made adaptations when they were filming this because they, their shooting schedule just got fucked up by the pandemic. Uh-huh. Um, but also, like, I was just so let down. Like, I like when people were like, it's not that I need this to match her comic book origin. I don't care. I don't care if it matches her comic book story. It's that... Um, there were, right. you know, the big mystery of is, is Sharon the power broker? Is she working for the power broker? And like when, when it first becomes a thing in like the second or third episode where she's first, where it's like, it's like, I guess this is the third episode where it's like, Oh, who's she working for? And they, and you know about this power broker. And I, I remember going, well, Sharon, I hope she's not the power broker because if she is the power broker, they're fucking telegraphing it. It seems so obvious that she is the power broker that it, there must be a swerve. There must be a twist. And there's not. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just boring. I thought, I'm like, I fully expected the power broker to be Mephisto. That would have been better. I mean, it was just, it was just, I, I just didn't care by the time. By the time we got to the last episode, I'm like, okay, yeah, she's evil and sneaky. And I mean, at least, I mean, I, I like Emily Van Camp as an actress. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad she has something to do other than just kissing a dude and leaving. Um, yay, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I, I was just so thoroughly uninterested in her story. And I thought she was doing a good job with what they had. Like, um, the entire part where, you know, where they're sneaking around trying to find the scientist and she is outside, you know, kicking ass by herself. I thought that was a great scene. And then, mm-hmm. like, from then on, she's just on the phone, clearly manipulating everything. And I'm just like, eh, boring. It, it, it was boring to me. So I was wondering how people felt about hers. Like, she's the only female character of note in the series. And yet I found Sarah, Sam's sister, who is a minor character, far more interesting throughout mm-hmm. the entire yeah, show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Sharon becoming the villain is is disappointing to me just because it, it was... It, it just, it just kind of, the, the story just kind of lays there. It, it doesn't, there's no, uh, there's no real nuance or intrigue to it. It's like, hey, you guys screwed me over. I came mm-hmm. here. I'm making money. And boom. Oh, yeah. I, I'm also the power. I guess. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and uh, like even that, 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 that thing at the end of episode five where we see her on the phone with Batra. And it's like, it's like, ooh, she is betraying them. But then in episode six, she's fully helping them. She kills Batrock, which pisses me off because I want to see more Batrock. <laughs> uh, and 
You're, uh, you're that kid. You're the kid yeah. who likes Haku. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, uh, yeah. <laughs> GSP in that role is amazing. Um, he's one of those goofy comic book characters from when I was a kid that gets uh, a really great upgrade in the movies and TV. And now he's gone. And then, you know, she comes, she gets her pardon. She comes out of the courtroom. And, uh, and all I can think is, well, now she has to call somebody and reveal that she's you know, Oh, well, uh, our, our, our plan worked. And now I can sell America out from underneath. So it just didn't, there was, there was nothing exciting about it. There was nothing interesting about Sharon being the power broker. Like, I mean, I would rather have seen a robot with a TV screen in its stomach with Arnim <laughs> Zola's face. I, I, I think what's most disappointing about it is they could have done that and made it at least somewhat interesting. Because like, throughout yeah. the show, there's these themes of like, America makes its own enemies by being shitty to them. And like they could have done something interesting. I assumed some of this was foreshadowing of like for her triumphant return of something, and then maybe she'll get a more interesting character arc. But yeah, it was just kind of like, eh, <laughs> eh. Yeah, I don't like, know. I mean, if, if, if a shadowy figure in Madripoor had uh, had been watching and kicked their, you know, they got their asses kicked and had to limp out of Madripoor, and then later on we find out that was Sharon. That was, this is. I mean, let, let me. I, I assume there was more. Straight at it, uh, yeah, the, yeah. To me, they I just s- went straight at it, mm-hmm. and I, I, her becoming the power broker doesn't doesn't ring true to me at all. Somehow, I just it eh. it feels like really for I don't know. It even even with the like she's been living in exile effectively and like still feels and, forced. Still, feels yeah, it, forced. it does feel forced because it doesn't it like. It doesn't really fit with any, at least it doesn't fit with any character arc with which I am familiar. She had none. She has, her arc makes no sense. Her plan makes no sense. She's helping them because she needs to because the story says, and she's betraying them because she needs to because the story says, but by the way, she's evil. And why? I don't know. We didn't get around to writing that, but I, I really do think they wrote it. I really believe that there were, there had to have been more there. So what I do know, I know from just like industry buzz and stuff and just knowing real life and following this, you know, following behind the scenes details because it's my job, right? I know that they, when they, they were in, they were in production of like the third episode or something when COVID started. Um, mm-hmm. they were, they were, they were trying to get, they were trying to get it done before everything shut down. But unlike WandaVision, which was mostly filmed in one area, you know, it was, it was like a lot of WandaVision's filmed on a soundstage. So they were able to put COVID protocols into place. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier was supposed to come out first and they, but they filmed it all over the world. They really did travel a lot. So they had to cut stuff and they had to take a break first and figure it out. And then they had to cut stuff. Um, Emily Van Camp, the actress who plays, um, Agent 13, who plays Sharon Carter, she has another job. She has another TV show that films in Atlanta. So she couldn't just go with them places. Like, um, once they, once COVID started, she was locked down in one location and they're traveling around. My understanding is a lot of, you know, it's why she's on the phone so much, right? Because she's like filming her scenes for this in her downtime from her other show. And it's just like sort of a lot of, well, we can't fly her out to London or yeah. wherever the hell we are. But she, so we've got to film her in Atlanta. What can we do in Atlanta? Well, why doesn't she or make a phone call? call? Yeah, we're yeah, in a yeah, 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 yeah. She'll wander around and 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 make phone calls because it's what they were able to do with her. And I, so I, I have to believe there was more to the story 
that just got junked because none of it makes any sense. Like she just flips back and forth on a dime. And I'm just like, I don't like, I, I want to be interested in you. I, I, I feel like I should be interested in you, but you're giving me not, not her, but the story is giving me nothing to like really be intrigued yeah. about other than, eh, okay, I guess she's bad because, because oh, reason jilted women get mad at their countries. I, I, I mean, like, I'm adding, I don't know. Like, I mean, because yeah, her point in the beginning, when she, when she says, look, you know, you got a pardon. I got left out dry. She's absolutely got a point. Right. And yeah. I especially want to know, like specifically tell me she got hung out to dry and then five years went by or actually seven years because for her, she had like a year or two of, of cap being on the run and then she had the fucking blip to deal with and she's just been hanging around for seven years not being you know not being able to come home except that borders went away so maybe you probably could have gone home mm-hmm. like there, there's so many questions that are just unanswered by her that I was like uh we we need another series for this and and it could have just been like I, I I don't know I I feel like something went wrong in order to have her be that glaring a hole. Although that would have also been a lot to fit in six episodes that are already yeah. pretty it should have been packed. Like and they should have gotten yeah. rid of some stuff. It was it it was, this was really packed. Um yeah. and but you know I got to see Isaiah Bradley on on screen so <laughs> which is what this was all about. It was really like uh, to me the best parts of this show were, you know, just sitting and watching Sam and Isaiah sit down and have a conversation about what it means to be in a black, a black man in America from two different generations. And I, it was, it was the kind of the conversation that I've had with my actual grandfather, right? Like, like, like just understanding of, no, we, we see the world a little differently and seeing Sam see the world differently from Isaiah and understand that and seeing Sam, um, have that conversation with Bucky and even the hokey speech, um, at the end, you know, I, I, I love that this was an episode about just sort of contemplating race. Um, and to a lesser extent or a less successful ex- extent, contemplating nationality. I love that they tried. Like his conversations with Carly were mm-hmm. great. Um, mm-hmm. she is phenomenal, by the way. Um, the actress's yeah. name, I forgot, I'm Kelly. Kelly, Aaron, Aaron, Kelly Aaron Kellyman. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron Kellyman. Kellyman. I always want to yeah. say Kelly something, but yeah, Aaron yeah. Kellyman. Yeah, she was phenomenal in this. Um, and, you know, so of course they had to kill her off, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, that. The, the comment that one of her people said to her, you, you I, I never thought I'd believe in a Captain America before, but you know, you are Captain America. That idea that you, she represented that same kind of thing to, to those people, to the, the refugees. She was that symbol that they rallied behind. Uh, and that's a very different take on representing people. That's actually a fascinating thing to, to look at, Wayne, because mm-hmm. Captain America, for as virtuous as he is, by definition of the name, you know, mm-hmm. like he represents a nation, which is what this thing was about, mm-hmm. and, or at least like the aspirations or whatever. To say that, she, you know, she was their Captain America, you know, we're talking now about people who had no country. Yeah, right. Well, and that's, I think that is the thing I found, one of, one of the things I found really interesting about the show is it's very rare that we see, like, the actual plight of stateless people in popular culture, like, and that mm-hmm. being represented yeah. in any way other than, like, as a, like, charity case, like, oh, how sad, like, the idea that mm-hmm. people are actually, I mean, methods aside, like, people are... People are basically responding to the kind of tragedy of being stateless and all of the things that brings along with it by actually trying to do something about it. And by virtue of being stateless, there is really no legal recourse 
that they would have. I mean, I think that's one of the things that the show does kind of gloss over. It's like, that is part of why, you know, the UN was formed. And this happens all the time when people become stateless is actually, they often act, act, they're often left to do things like that are illegal because they have no other option. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I, like, I, I, like the show, I think tried to kind of get at that, but that's a difficult issue to get. I feel like that's a, that, that's a difficult issue to try and like explain in a way that's narratively compelling in a superhero mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. Well, and and, and they, they had to make her. I mean, they had to have her flat out murder people to make her you know, somewhat irredeemable in the eyes of the audience because you know, otherwise she's you know, just right. Yeah, otherwise she's just right. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was going to say that um, I, you know I I thought that most of the secondary or tertiary characters in the show were uh, were really fantastic. I thought the senator was a little a little bland for what it was, uh, and I, I I'll say again that it, the depiction of the refugees was far too clean and uh, and and uh, tranquil for me. Yeah, we didn't we didn't see nearly enough of their actual plight yeah. of what they were living through. I mean, uh, I, I think I, part of that though is like, can you can you actually do that in a Captain America movie? Because does, does that does that right. not then become an indictment? Well, I mean, um, but listen, mm-hmm. if, if, if 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 the if the central uh, theme of, of 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 the flag smashers plight is millions of people in these in these camps, then uh, an old school building or whatever the hell that thing was that they were in is 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 just too mild, too bland, too clean. Sure. When when we have actual uh, migrant detention camps operating right now that we have seen, you know, basically big geometric tent cities filled with people who aren't being allowed to cross a border, can't go back. You know, it's maybe it's a matter of uh, the pandemic not allowing them to mm-hmm. film it in the way that they wanted, but um, it's it sticks out to me like a sore thumb that this is where the uh, the, the refugees were being housed. And but can you really do that in a Captain America movie? Uh, well, uh, listen would would you have would you have not said that Isaiah Bradley's uh, attitude mm. and speeches were something you couldn't do in a Captain America movie. I think there's a difference, though, between having somebody talk about their experience historically, in, especially in a way that can be kind of like at the end, the final episode, be like reclaimed as like, oh, well, now we're doing better, as opposed to mm-hmm. showing the plight of people who are being like victimized by a national like because and I say Captain America movie specifically, not just not Marvel movie, because I think Captain America even though this 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 TV series complicates what it means to be national like a national figure and a symbol of a specific nation state mm-hmm. i think it's difficult to basically have show a refugee camp which both in the real world as well as in the tv show that the united states is complicit in creating yeah. well, like listen, i think this goes because madripoor madripoor were dirtier than the camp the refugees were in. So I think it's in for a penny, in for a pound. If you're going to tackle the issue, if you're going to talk about the issue, then I, know, I agree. I just don't. I don't see that coming out of a Marvel movie. I, I don't see the Captain America that. movie, and, and, yeah. and that's why. I, that's what I'm saying is I'm disappointed by that. Well, yeah, sure. I think I again, that comes back to scope because 
Also consider, while there are parallels in what happened in Falcon Winter Soldier to our real world, that's not our real world. And, you know, how those people, like, when you think globally, they they even describe, like, you know, half the population of the world left, so countries were glad to have people come in and fill the void. So you're not talking about refugees in the sense that we deal with refugees in our real world, you know, like, so we don't know how people who were then once people returned, you know, post to their life, we don't know how those people who had resettled were handled. Were people taken to camps? Were, did people have to scrounge on their own? I would imagine the stories would be as varied as all the backgrounds and the places that people came from. Yeah. So I don't, mm-hmm. you know, like I, we, I think we have to be a little careful when we talk about that because we don't, we don't have a direct parallel to what we have. It's just things that kind of allude to what we have yeah. in the real world. But, but Kingdom, mm-hmm. I totally yeah. hear what you're saying. I do think it's, it's just, I think it's a matter of scope, you know, like, but in the, <laughs> you could almost have an ongoing series devoted to the nuances of what's, what's happening in the MCU yeah. because of all yeah. that. They didn't sell me on their plight on a visceral level. It was all it was a little bit. I think by using the term refugee repeatedly throughout the show, they are yeah. conjuring a specific image about a specific experience that is currently yes. happening. So I think yes. it's a li- like it's a little complicated to just say this is a fantasy universe. It's different. They're using I mean. That you could say the same thing about the way that, like, even Sam talks about the, the using refugee thug at the end. Like, it is a different universe, but the tropes they're referencing and the imagery they're referencing is very real world. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we've resolved nothing, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I will say that, and this is a comment to something you just said, uh, Katya, which is I, I do think in the history of Captain America comics, when it, it when it's at its best. It's always complicating what it means to represent America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that that's been one of the themes of that book from the beginning, um, mm-hmm. and maybe not so much in the '40s when it was very gung ho, you know, America war no. effort kind of stuff. I said but at the beginning, beginning, from from the time Gru took over in the late '70s, yeah. um, Mark Grinwald, who literally saw Captain America as an analog for. Um, as an allegory for what it is mm-hmm. to be American and deal with the complications of yeah. what America is. And yeah, you represent America. How do you deal with Watergate motherfucker? Yeah. That was the Steve Englehart run in the, in the seventies. Oh, yeah. Okay. I couldn't remember when. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, no, yeah. The secret society or secret empire. Secret story empire. Was, mm-hmm. was Englehart. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that was, that was very much a commentary on, on Watergate and what does it mean to be an American and can I represent America when I've witnessed this? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Gru's dealing, then, yeah. Gru's dealing with like Iran Contra and yeah, with, um, right. you know, Reaganism in the eighties and stuff. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it, it beca- it's a complicated history. You know, there's a, the entire, the, the advent of what John Walker is, is, was, um, was, I think that's Gru as well. Yeah. Um, it's, um, it's, look, is Captain America the guy or the suit? And that's the question. I mean, they didn't, it, that wasn't about Sam Wilson. It was about Steve Rogers versus John Walker. But yeah, and what is the important part? Is it, is it, is it the representing America? Cause John Walker represents more of what America had become by then. Mm-hmm. And Steve well, Rogers so that, that, wasn't antiquated. Yeah. That fine line between patriotism and nationalism. Mm-hmm. So the show doesn't, I mean, it, I don't know that the show resolves anything either, right? It tries, right. but, but <laughs> maybe. <laughs> to resolve anything, to be honest. Right. Yeah. Sam Wilson says, right, I don't know how to fix it. I'm telling you to fix it. And that's kind of, you know, or he says, you know, the answer is, 
there's no easy solution. Stop looking for easy solutions. Yeah. We we talk about these things and we work on them. And I think that the show does a good job of that. Like our show. Like our show. <laughs> Home of the five star review. <laughs> our show and <laughs> our show and Kingdom show, which it's going to be weird because Kingdom, you're probably airing this as your show too. Uh, yeah, I uh, I, I wouldn't mind a night off recording. I can, I, I, I'm going to swap cast this. Just, just change, change, change the the intro, and you're good, right? Yeah, that's what yeah, we did yeah, last no. time. No, but it's what I, 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 I I'll, I'll I'll say this real quick. I, it's it's an idea that I got from uh, comedian Doug Stanhope, the swap cast. Why mm. record two podcasts when we can record one? We can I, we, put it on our mutual. We can each put it on yeah. our uh, podcast feeds, and hopefully that will help feed uh, listeners. Yeah, on a two-way street. So yeah, we did that a couple I'm, times I'm, with Danny Anderson. I know. Yeah. So so that said. For the people who are listening on the Vox Popcast feed and not on the uh, on the Handsome Genius Club feed, where can they find Handsome Genius Club? One of the best three podcast logos on the internet, I would say. Hey, all right. Uh, <laughs> Whoever designed it was brilliant. There's great work on the Handsome Genius Club icon. <laughs> don't uh, uh, do me a favor, Mavin. Please don't throw your shoulder out, patting yourself on the back. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did that earlier today. <laughs> Where can people find where can people find uh, the Handsome Genius Club? They can find my podcast Mondays and Thursdays at handsomegeniusclub.com. It's also available through Apple Podcasts, Google, uh, Spotify, and Stitcher Radio. And uh, there are exclusive Friday episodes on my Patreon, patreon.com slash my name is Kingdom. All my social media that's worth bothering. Twitter, <laughs> Twitch. Uh, Instagram, YouTube, and Patreon. And Marcel. Oh, man, you can just find me everywhere. I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, we, we'd be here like 20 minutes if you start listing everything you've been on in the last two weeks. That's been crazy. He's just omnipresent. It's weird. Like, seriously, I, I've actually done that where I've gone in and just like, you know, you know, everybody, you know, you look yourself up and and stuff comes up sometimes. I think that's crazy. Do people know I'm just like a person? I'm just not, <laughs> I'm not, you know, I think, but all right. So anybody who does want to look up things pertaining to me, the best places are, of course, there's my own website, marcelwalker.com. There is my blog, which I have not attended to, but I do keep a great running list of media and stuff I've been in there. My blog is thoughtinmind.blogspot.com. Uh, I am very, very direct, directly attached to the Hutzpow Project, uh, Hutzpow Superheroes of the Holocaust, the comic book published by the Holocaust Center of Pittsburgh. I'm the lead project artist and the project manager. Wayne is our lead project writer. Yay. Um, so if you look up information about Hutzpow, you'll find us, us through there. Oh, God, what else? Uh, oh, and of course, I'm, I'm currently the board president of the Toonzeum. And if you look up Toonzeum.org, there's information on me and the organization and our goals. We are a nonprofit promoting uh, comics as a force for social good. So, yeah, come and or just just come find. I'm, I'm all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> and Katya? Uh, I don't know. You can find me here. Vox podcast things, uh, and on Instagram at just that nerd kid when I feel like posting, which now it's mostly we've, we've taken a break from sewing and now we build keyboards. So I did see that uh, you're doing that with your brother or something. I, yeah, I've had, a, I've had a mechanical keyboard for a while. I had to make them from scratch because you know, the pandemic continues y'all. 
Therefore, the pandemic, <laughs> the pandemic hobbies. I, I don't want to think about how much money I will spend on keyboards before this is over because it is not a cheap hobby. Um, but I just choose not to think about that. And, you know, but it makes a nice noise. So if you heard that the entire episode, that's why. <laughs> Wayne, what about you? Uh, here, mostly these days. I still have my blog still up. I haven't added anything to it in a long time, but there's a lot of back content uh, if you want to read it. Wayne-Wise.com. Um, the Hostpot Project that Marcel mentioned, which I, I don't think I've mentioned on the show in a long time, so we just don't talk about that as much. But yes, that's not, while I'm involved with it, I'm not as specifically day-to-day involved with it in the way that Marcel is. But uh, yeah, you can find, it's a, it's an awesome project. You should look it up. Um, uh, I forget my Instagram name. It's in the show notes. Uh, mostly just <laughs> da- da- so da- daily photos. I don't need to know. I just signed it on my phone. Yeah, 20, yeah. <laughs> it's not something. I, uh, Just go to, go to my Instagram. You can click on through who I follow. It's in, the show, it's in the show notes. You can click on Wayne in the show notes. I, and, uh, I, I don't need to know. It's just it's on my phone. You're, you are Tetrock 2017. Okay, I knew it was Tetrock. Whatever date I joined Instagram, I can remember what it was. Yes. Oh, that's so sad. Sure. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, all of the places, always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show, all those same places, at Fox Popcast. If you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do, then please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from. And do us a favor, leave us a five-star review, especially on Apple Podcasts. That helps other people find the show, makes us more popular, um, makes other people who we link to more popular. Popular, so it will help Kingdom. So you should give us a five star review, and you should give Kingdom a five star review on Apple uh, Podcasts, and then like, and then like, subscribe to both shows, and then we both get more popular, and magic happens because algorithms are cool. And by the way, write a fucking review. Like, don't just click five stars. I mean, we'll take the five stars, but take, but just take a moment. You know, write. You know, click on Apple Podcasts, even if you don't use it right now. Go there, say five stars, and then just write a little something, something. Write, you know, best show on the internet. Home of the five star review. Eugenics are bad. You know, any of our random catchphrases are fine, but you know, get people, get people to, to listen. We'd appreciate it. We'd also appreciate it if you subscribe to our YouTube feed, which is linked in the show notes. And then you can see a visual version of the show where you see pictures while we talk about shit. It's interesting. And you can also listen to my other podcast. Gosh, golly. Well, there it's, uh, you know, it's, it's all about content merging and making the world better and you know monetizing us that's what that's really what i'm looking for here <laughs> which doesn't help you but it helps us and then we'll keep making the show that's what you. you want yeah it does help you so we'd appreciate it if you do that um i would like to thank kingdom and marcel for joining us for this um Thanks, weird, crazy thing thanks the sound of me saluting <laughs> Sound of me tipping my hat. <laughs> I would like to thank Maximilian of Thought for Music for our epic theme song building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd like to thank you at home for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Okay, kids, that is going to do it for today. We'll be back on Thursday with another episode uh, tonight on Twitch. The should be the return, all things being equal, should be the return of 10 questions twice. Like, I, I, as I've mentioned before, want to get in three more episodes, want to get in two more what would be regular season episodes, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, get 10 people on that leaderboard, 
and uh, then get a get a a championship episode finale. So um, that's the plan right now. So uh, look for that 8 p.m. Eastern at Twitch TV Twitch slash My Name Is Kingdom uh, Tuesday night on Twitch Code Names. Wednesday night I'll be on John Greed stream for Backyard Wrestling. Thursday night poker, and Friday night we'll be doing another uh, Amazon watch party on Twitch. This time we're going to be watching Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, Friday night's stream of Back to the Future was pretty damn good. I thought we had fun. Jason Clark from uh, uh, from An Elegant Weapon joined me. Uh, the audio for that is going to be going up on the Patreon this week. Um, I've got to do a little editing to make sure that it is syncable when you want to watch Back to the Future at home and, and, and enjoy our, um, for lack of a better term, and for, uh, <laughs> let's, for, for copyright purposes, track. It, it, it's T-R-A-C-K, not T-R-A-X. Our riff track. <laughs> I want to be able to, a uh, little visual, a uh, little, I'm going to add some stuff to the video so that it's it, it's easily syncable by hand. Um, but this Friday, Beverly Hills Cop, sometime in the future, we'll definitely do Beverly Hills Cop too. but I'm, I'm after, I mean, um, Back to the Future 2. I don't know if we'll ever do Beverly Hills Cop 2. But uh, after Beverly Hills Cop this week, I want to get into some weirder stuff. I want to search deep into uh, the <laughs> the Amazon catalog and uh, find some weird stuff on Prime Video. So please, if you have Amazon Prime, get ready to join us on Friday. Um, all my social media, at my name is Kingdom, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, and the all-important Patreon. The end of the month is coming. The beginning of a new hiccup. Oh, always the show hiccup. The beginning of a new month is coming. Please consider joining the Patreon. The goal for the 1001 Days Project is 100 patrons. I need your help. For as little as $2 American a month. You can uh, help get me to that goal and uh, help me continue making these shows, um, podcasts, videos, and all that. Hey, cat, don't. <laughs> she just stepped on. She just tripped over my foot, basically, and decided she was going to swat at my toes a little, get my attention to to continue playing. Um we're getting along well. <laughs> um, what else was I? What was I saying before the cat interrupted me? Patreon, for the love of God, join the Patreon. Um, yeah. Oh, and Sunday mornings and assorted mornings during the week. Uh, New York Times crosswords. Definitely every Sunday morning, about ten thirty a.m. You're gonna get me. You're gonna. You're gonna get to help me solve a New York Times crossword puzzle. All right, that's it. Enough of this. I'll talk to you on Thursday. Hey, please, for the love of God, 
take care of one another, find some good trouble to get into. Your Uncle Kingdom loves you. Bye.